episode 282 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is your Sunday edition. I am Paul Spore. Joined as always on Sundays by Jason Collette. Jason, how's it going, man? Uh, it is going well because as soon as we're done, I'm going to watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine season premiere. Season premiere, I, I know how you feel. Not so much on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but Bob's Burgers season premiere was earlier tonight, and I've already watched it, very much enjoyed it. I'm Have surprised I, you're not a Brooklyn Nine-Nine guy. Here's the thing. i got to just go back to it because I've had this happen with shows in the past where I try them early. I didn't go crazy for them. I just was kind of like fine with them. And then I, I let them slide by the wayside. That's exactly what happened with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I watched the first four episodes, let it start piling up on the DVR, never got to it. I can almost guarantee that when I go back and actually take time for it, that I'll end up liking it. I mean, there's so many good people in it. Um, yeah, so and it should I, be why. I mean, we got the Cubs Pirates happening right now. I, my back is to it, so I'm not. But Arietta uh, has apparently hit a home run in this game, uh, and uh, it, it's a huge game for the. If the Pirates win this, they they they're about two games behind the Cardinals, yeah. and they play each other next days. I mean, tremendous game. It's just awful who they're matched up against. Um, but you know, it'll it'll be fun. It should be a fun final week of baseball. Even though I'm not winning any leagues, what about you? I'm doing all right. Um, I'm I'm sad to hear that you're not winning any. I'm I've got one pretty much locked. I mean, I don't even think the points are available. I I, I could start getting arrogant. It's it's a pretty substantial lead, uh, one eighteen and a half to ninety seven right now. So I just I hopefully that one's good. I got another one fighting kind of every day, up a few points, down a few points couple others that are in the money and in the spot that they'll be in you know top four what is to be decided um and then one other one that i'm kind of a long shot for um but rallying you know i keep saying if if, if we had maybe a one more month of the season um that's right i'm ex- i'm asking to extend the season because that baseball yeah, would please. be quality. 162 games is not enough not enough uh, but but you know as while we're on this topic we've already had I don't know if you've checked your Twitter feed but we've already had our first thank you guys for helping me win my league uh, you know this guy is uh, uh, Steve Vitale uh, has won his league fourth time in eleven years even though you and I have not been together on a podcast for eleven years I'm gonna say somehow we helped this guy four times in eleven years I feel so. Like it. Uh, but I do love those tweets. And uh, on this note, because I don't want to forget, I forgot to mention this last week, uh, but I want to uh, bring this up early on. If you are on my Twitter profile, you'll there's a link to it. Uh, and it's a link to raising funds for a friend of mine whose son happens to have my birthday since last week was the birthday podcast. Um, you know, he is just turned three. Uh, he is battling a rare form of brain cancer, uh, ATRT, I believe it is, uh, but it is a pretty serious thing of cancer. And the, and the sucky part about it is you can imagine what the medical bills are like. Oh, let's set aside. Let's set aside the fact that the, that we live in a country where medical uh, conditions can totally bankrupt a family. Uh, you know, but they have a, a you caring uh, crowdfunding thing put out there, oh, okay. and they're trying to raise a hundred thousand thousand dollars so uh, if anybody is because it, it happens every year you're like hey i won my league uh, you know you know the number one rule is you spend everything on your spouse yeah that, that's really number <laughs> if you're not married then you spend it on yourself uh but all i'm asking for is if you win your league think about donating at least one percent over to this cause this family i mean they've they're about fifty four thousand dollars so they're 54 percent of the way uh to their end goal but it is a pretty brutal thing to have to go through Oh, uh, and so far, you know, they were they, they were making they were making some great progress. Uh, then they got some unfortunate news at the beginning of the month, uh, but he made it to his third birthday, and that didn't look possible this time last year. So we'll see what happens uh, from here. But um, 
please consider if you if you're winning a league or whatever, one percent, any amounts better than nothing. Um, and, and if you want to put something over on the side, the supporters that you can put your real name, you can put fantasy baseball. This isn't the first time I, we've done this. I believe we mentioned this last year. And I, I remember seeing a few people putting fantasy baseball or or um, the uh, Towers of Power podcast. I remember seeing a couple of things back when this first got started. Uh, so if you find it in your heart, please consider doing so. I like that. I think that's great. Like you said, uh, the link is in your profile on Twitter, but I'll also put it in, in the show notes today. Uh, from that from that topic, obviously very important to one a little bit more frivolous, the, the most disliked player in the game, at least as far as I'm concerned, uh, was at it again. And I mean, it's just so perfect in a way that, you know, the Nats were obviously struggling pretty pretty badly before he got there, but he kind of put the nail in the coffin as the team, you know, just combusts. Now he's getting suspensions for hurling uh, the ball at people. And now he wanted to play cop and, and get after Harper. And I've got a million things wrong with this one. And it's not just because it's powerful, button. that doesn't help. I'm obviously coming from a place where I already disliked the guy, but uh, I also didn't think it needed to be policed. And as Mike Lowell said, it's the same rule I've always heard. If you make it to first, that's really that's really fine in terms of uh, of dogging it out on a on a catch uh, or play that you know quote unquote no is going to be caught if you make it to first not usually a big deal he hit this one out to short left field did Harper made it to first turns around and Papelbon was just looking to start something it was oh, so obvious that he was just looking to start something and he was going and going and, and, and kind of pushing uh, Harper. Harper went back, whatever the, the trigger word was, probably do something. And, uh, and, and Pepperbond did. He, he lunged for him, grabbed his throat and then went out and, and blew the game wide open, which was just sweet icing on the cake that he went. First off, crazy that he goes back in the game after that. Crazy to me. Yes. But then he goes back out and, and gets pummeled. Um, which was again sweet, sweet and justice. And took the loss. Yeah, just it, it's awful. I, I don't understand. You know, I get that this sort of stuff happens, so I'm not going to pretend that uh, you know he's the most heinous man in baseball starting this stuff. This sort of stuff does happen, and a lot of times it's just not something that we're privy to. We don't get we don't get a chance to see it, and that's good. Obviously, it should happen behind closed doors. It is kind of the brothers fighting thing that Papelbon said, but why? Is he such a douchebag, I guess, is the real question. It's the haircut. It's everything about him. He drives me crazy. But it is, uh, um, you know, for him, yeah, he, he blew the game. For Harper, yes, it was, it was like a deep infield fly ball. It really wasn't yeah. even that deep. And you could see the words like, hey, run the effing ball out. And yeah. Harper's like, whatever. It's like, it's, it's, like, it's almost like. You know, the guy, your boss, somebody, you know, totally screw something else at work and he's looking around for somebody else to blame to make himself feel better. But like, hey. so, yeah, somebody it's like your boss throwing trash on the floor at a restaurant. Like, hey, uh, go pick up that trash. I'm like, uh, dude, you were the person who put it out there, not me. Uh, so it, it's not surprising. The unfortunate thing is I believe that the Nationals are stuck with this contract next year. I, you know, I think his his automatics have already kicked in, but yeah, they make enough money. I mean, they're saving enough money on the on the whole uh uh, Max Scherzer structured contract. This is this is something I'm eating. I am not even, you know, I'm not even. It's 11 million dollars. That's a drop in the hat. Eat it. Goodbye. I I I I know they won't do that, but I almost don't blame you for saying that because 
I just I don't think anybody likes the guy, and I don't know that it's necessarily going to change next year. So a whole another year of this. And a lot of people think that uh, Pavel Bon was mad at Harper for him kind of saying that the, the throwing at Machado was tired and that uh, Harper thought that he would get thrown at the next night. I couldn't have agreed with him more, though, to be honest. It was tired. Sure, it was. Why it did, is tired. Why did Pab do that? I mean, I guess Harper could have said that to Papelbon specifically instead of the media, but honestly, then you're going to lunge at someone's throat for that? I, I don't know. It's, it's I mean, the reports. The reports of the clubhouse are just a, a disaster anyhow. I mean, everybody, you look at all the writers saying the whole thing is fractured. Oh, it's yeah. It's a complete disaster. So, again, really not surprising. I bet it's a nightmare in there right now. They just want the season to end as quickly as possible. Jason, today uh, we're going to get into some st- – obviously there's not a whole lot that we can pass on for next week. In fact, I think Eno and I basically covered uh, all the all the goods there in terms of guys you could pick up and you know strategies. At, at this point, you, got, you one week left. Go with, go with your gut, whatever you feel is going to give you the best outcome because if you win or lose on it, you're going to want it to be your own decision anyway. So, uh, you know, tr- try to try to go with what you've got to this point and, and give it your uh, your best last push. But you want to talk some second-half leaderboards because, you know, it, it's obviously a solid sample. We're almost talking another uh, three months where it's not an even split, obviously, with the season, um, with where the All-Star break was. But we're talking about, you know, 60-something games for most guys and we're looking at these leaderboards, and you found some uh, very interesting stuff. Let's just kind of start with you know what your most intriguing piece was. Uh, we'll start with the hitters, and then we'll talk pitchers a little bit later. But what 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 was some of the stuff that you were finding? We'll kind of trade back and forth, little interesting tidbits uh, that we picked out of here. I mean, we were talking a little bit last week about you know Brandon Phillips and the, the ten second half steals, and that's really one of the things that that came out of kind of out of nowhere and with him. And we talked about how repeatable that was. Uh, and the answer there was unlikely, but just in searching with the OBP column, what really stands out beyond the, you know, Joey Votto's OBP is 77 points higher than any other batter right now. And that is, and 554, that's Barry Bonzian is what that so is. Crazy. I mean, doesn't have, but you know, 378, 554 to 665 slug. Uh, and he's doing this choking up on the bat and also wearing tight pants. Uh, yes. You know, that's one of the things that's going on with him. But I think, you know, and Bryce Harper's second. But, I, you know, the number three guy would surprise a ton of people. And I know you were advocating for people not to, not to jump ship. But since you, too, I mean, you look at why the Rangers have been able to take off. He's been setting the table for them. And in the second half, 352, 468, 565. I mean, 15% walk rate. 21% strikeout rate right in line, but he's just getting on base. He's not even, you know, the stolen bases aren't there anymore. He's not running four steals, nine home runs, but there are a ton of doubles there, and there's a lot of batting area. He is, I mean, just setting the table at a ridiculous rate uh, for him. And I, I was going to say the same thing about a guy you and I both liked before the season, Adam Eaton. He was terrible in the first half of the season. Uh, and since the, since the All-Star break, Hitting 330, 412 on base percentage, has stolen 12 bases, has uh, scored 48 runs, has seven home runs. I mean, this is why we loved him overall. So the overall numbers are looking good, uh, but the second half has definitely helped him improve where he was in the first half, which was you know barely passable. That yeah, that was the tough part was holding on to somebody like an Adam Eaton to to reap the benefits of this good stuff. 
Um, you know, in some mixed leagues, you might have had to circle back around and hope that you got him because he was droppable early on. He and Melky Cabrera were really bad early on, and they both turned it on. Uh, unfortunately, the team around him never really got going. I thought that team would be better this year. Not necessarily a, a playoff team, uh, although some did have them up, up that high. I didn't see that for them, but I thought that uh, the White Sox I had him winning the division. Oops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I knew there were some folks that it was Chicago and Cleveland that – People liked I had Cleveland winning. You had Chicago. Both those teams were massive disappointments. Maybe if you could have smushed the two together, you could have gotten a playoff team, but it, it didn't go well. Um, kind of dipping out of the, the 400s, but actually I'm going to stay in the 400s real fast just to give some love to Michael Brantley, someone who is having a, a marvelous second half, 344, 405 on base, 578 slug, um, 9% walk rate, 10% strikeout rate. God, I, I love that that kind of ability and you know he's going to fall shy of last year but exactly kind of what I thought would be him falling shy and actually he missed some time too imagine if he doesn't miss the time I thought right. with with the same you know 150 something games that he would be you know upper teens in, in both homers and steals. So he's at uh, 15 homers, 14 stolen bases, and 588 plate appearances. He had 676 last year. But the batting average is still great. I mean, I, I still think this was a great pick this year, Michael Brantley. If you bought in from what he did last year, you got a great return. You did. You absolutely did. I mean, he's the guy I took, I think I want to, in that the Fantasy 411 draft that we've uh, mentioned in last week, I believe Brantley was my end of the second round draft choice in that one, just because That's of nice. I was looking at position stuff. Uh, I wanted to, you know, if we look also at looking at the batting average column, when we look at the, uh, you know, the Yankees collapse here in the second half of the season when they were leading the division by what, six games at one point? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are just about have, have lost that division. I, I don't think they're, you know, they, I think they have to win every game this week in order to catch Toronto. And, and Toronto's got three more games against Tampa Bay, so that's not happening. And, but we look at the batting average for the 14 names, and the bottom 14 are Yankees. And I, the one that concerns me greatly is Brett Gardner. Brett Gardner in the second half of the year is hitting 201 with a 304 on base and a 299 slug. That's a nightmare. He has four steals. I mean, and then looking at it, you know, last year he cooled off in the second half. The year before he he was uh, kept it even. First, second half uh, nearly split. But if you look at his first, second half career splits, they're bad. Uh, and he's ter- tired off. I don't know if it's just a matter of a a high energy guy, a small high energy guy that just fades out because he doesn't pace himself. But it is it's concerning to see him fall off like this for the second consecutive season because he. So good in the first half. And when I took a look at his base skills today, because when I saw it, when I was playing around leaderboards this morning, I'm like, what the hell is going on with him? And I looked, and he is, it's not like he's expanded his strike zone. He's just not making contact in the zone and stuff he's swinging at. And to okay. me, that just speaks of a dude that's worn down. He's tired, and his yep. bat's just not as well, quick as it needs to be. And Gardner can get, you know, he gets nicked. And, and I think he plays through some injuries, too. So, you know, I look at, I look at such a stark drop off, and, I have to feel 
you know, that when, when it's prolonged like that 262 plate appearances of Brett Gardner having this awful second half, I have to think that there's something going on health-wise. That, that's just my first inclination. He had a little bit of a shoulder issue uh, in, in early September that caused him to miss a couple of games. Okay. But I wasn't able to find anything, you know, serious out there that said, you know, hey, you know, obviously no DL stint. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's really it. But this is, I mean, the numbers are just really slow and the power is just practically non-existent. Uh, and that's that's just really frustrating because he was so good. And he still, I mean, he, he still makes me look good for the, he's better than Ellsbury this year because Ellsbury is falling oh, yeah. apart. Uh, but yeah, he looked like he was on pace. Gardner was at one point when we were talking about this in the, in the late May, he was a top five fantasy outfielder. No, he was, he'd been fantastic. He was, he was doing it all. Gardner was looking great again, still going to be a net profit this year because he was so good in that first half, but it's really slowed from, from what it was. And, you know, almost just going to be kind of cop- a copy of last year again, which is fine because last year was a great season for for Brett Gardner. And the big question was, will he hold the power? He did hold the power, and the and the speed stayed just about the same. The runs ticked up because the team was better. Same with the ribbies, and we'll see if his batting average holds on. It's a, a scant four point lead for this season. Another guy I want to talk about second half wise. You talk about uh, reversing the the average leaderboard and looking from the bottom up. Brian Dozier's eighth. And uh, his second half has, has been not so good. 218, 293, right. 381. Nine homers still, so that kind of keeps keeps everything afloat. But 23 ribbies, just two stolen bases. Maybe I'm just partial to Todd Frazier, but everyone keeps talking about his second bad second half. What's, what, how come Brian Dozier is not getting any heat for, for his poor second half? Yeah, no kidding. No, I realize the two uh, have nothing the, uh, to do with each other. I'm just very, uh, again, protective of Todd Frazier, I guess. And it's not like Dozier. Yeah, the, the obviously in the first half, 19 home runs. Uh, so the pop was definitely. Again, it's not a clean first half, second half split, but still. I mean, even if even if we were to take out the games, he still we'd have to double his home runs. We still wouldn't even be there. Uh, you know, the batting average in the second and the first half was 256. So it wasn't like he was you know setting the world on fire with batting average. But that's never been his thing. Uh, with the way he goes, his strikeout rate, he's, he's not making as much contact. His strikeout rates jumped nearly four full percentage points uh, from the first half to the second half. And, and the ball simply not going as far as it was. I and mean, his ISO went from 256 to 163. And um, that's not what we signed up for. No, it's really not. Um, shifting over to, to home runs with the leaderboard. The names that you would expect are there, the ones you've been hearing a lot about in the second half with uh, Carlos Gonzalez, Chris Davis, Joanna Cespedes, Nelson Cruz, Jose Bautista, David Ortiz, and Josh Donaldson. You know, they're doing it every other day. Those names aren't going to surprise you, but uh, Chris with a K, Davis is also on there. So you got you got both Chris Davises. I want to say that uh, Chris with a K went, went yard again today. Actually, he went yard again. He went twice today. So that's going to bump him up Good to God. 20. And... Mm. Uh, he and Donaldson are now tied at 20 uh, behind yes. Ortiz, 21, Batista and Cruz, 22. Oh, Cespedes, 22 as well. 24 for the other Chris Davis and then 26 for Cargo. But but back to K. Chris Davis, you talked about uh, Dozier. This is kind of that same thing now. 20 second half homers, but still just a 242 average, 309 LBP. You know, not not lighting everything up, just happens to be lighting it up with power. Uh, what are your expectations for for Chris Davis going forward, Chris with the K? I mean, I K Riss, I love that. K, uh, uh, you know, K Riss, I picked that one up from somebody. Uh, I don't remember where, but not my original. I like it. Uh, and first it does, time I've heard that, but I really like that. It identifies uh, nicely. 
Yeah, I, I mean, the power, we knew this guy was a 25 home run hitter. Uh, and he was foot injury in the pre, in the first half, correct? I remember I was watching the at-bat. It wasn't, maybe it wasn't foot. Wrist, I, there was, I forgot, what was the injury? I'm looking it up now because I don't know offhand. I, I remember I was watching the particular at-bat when it happened, oh, right, and as soon as right it happened. Knee. Torn meniscus. Oh yeah, yeah. He torn meniscus. That's why I knew it. Okay, because <laughs> I was I was rehabbing when I remember watching his at bat, and he went to swing. I saw it. I was like, "Ooh, that's ooh, not good." And when they said torn meniscus, I'm like, "Hey." Uh, so the lower, but he's bounced back rather quickly from the uh, from a lower half injury like this. And you look at his second half. If if we were to, I'm not even going to say, you know, let's shoot, let's say double it because he's never going to get 600 plate appearances. But let's say if we doubled it, it puts him in the mid 30s home runs, 257. I mean. Things are right in, in line where what they've typically been. This is a, guy's, a guy we think could hit 250, 260. He's going to strike out. He does have his issues uh, against uh, against right righties pitching uh, along those lines. But, you know, it, you take who he is. You take for the power, and we've talked about it's power scarcity. And I, if, if he can hit me 25 home runs and hit 250 like he has here in the second half, fine with me. Yeah, I, th- I think you just get him as a power-only guy. I don't know that... I would look at this second half and try to build him up as, as, as some sort of breakout next year. Maybe he'll break out at some point. Maybe he won't. But I don't think there's going to be any case in his profile this year that suggests that K. Riss Davis is primed for a breakout. Uh, I just want to mention that Matt Carpenter also homered his 27th. Just an amazing, Jesus. amazing effort by him this year. Really, really crazy stuff. What, what was some of the other stuff that you found when you were trolling the second half leaderboards today? Um. See, I mentioned we, we mentioned uh, the Gardner uh, Gardner issue. I was trying to think. There was um, there was like four particular hitters. I know, like when I was looking at pitching, uh, Ian Kennedy, his strikeout rate has jumped up uh, five full percentage points here in the second half. Uh, he and like Marco Estrada. I mean, we've I think you and Eno have talked about Marco Estrada rather heavily. Yeah, those guys are. Um, not Eno and, and Marco Estrada, but Marco Estrada and Ian Kennedy are two guys cut in the same mold uh, in that, you know, fastball, off-speed, give up a lot of home runs. And that's kind of the thing. That's kind of the way things have gone for those guys. Uh, but both of them have starting to throw a cutter more here in the second half. And in, in Estrada's case in particular, uh, you know, he's, he's just not as concerned about striking out as many guys as he was in the past. So he's getting better results by changing eye levels and looking for weak contact uh, in that regard. And and the stuff's working. And and in Kennedy's case, he's throwing more cutters and not throwing as many change-ups. And for him, I mean, the home runs were just atrocious. He was left and right in the first half uh, of the the season. And then the second half, he's been uh, for him. And that's really helped him uh, stay on, on top of things. So those are two guys. And both of them are free agents, too. I'm going to be really curious to see where those guys, because we're seeing some nice growth here uh, for them as they change their approach, uh, how they, where they end up in, in the in the free agency. Because we know that uh, Ian Kennedy did not really, you know, going to Petco, where we all thought, oh my God, the home run issue will finally go away, and this uh, is going to yeah. be so good. It didn't work. That didn't work. Nope. Not at all. So I'm I'm going to be really curious to see where he lands as far as the process thing goes. And with Estrada, I mean, he's a guy that I've liked for years. And I've, I've always uh, – this was the one year that I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not drafting him. I think I have him in one league out of five, te- five leagues. that it was, then I have one He was league. going to Toronto. I mean, it was terrifying to think of him in the AL East. We're I know laughing Tor- about it. We're like, oh, wait, Adam Lind? And that's worked out great for both teams. I mean, I total mean, win-win. Adam Lind was great. 
Adam Lynn was great, but Marco Estrada really, I mean, that's, if you look at when Toronto's season turned around, it's when his season turned around, when he almost had that no-hitter against Tampa Bay, and then he just started going on this roll, and you're like, the hell did this come from? He's got a sub one whip in the second half, a two, a two forty ERA, something along those lines. He's been, uh, you know, two, let's see, um, two seventy ERA, a 0.98 whip and is holding batters with one ninety one batting average. It is Marco Estrada who has the lowest hits per nine innings in the American league for the entire season. That's entire season. Insane. Marco Estrada has the fewest hits. You know, I think more insane. Guess who's next? Uh, Carlos Rodon, Chris Young. Oh my God! Well, you know that fly ball. It's you're not going to get a lot of bleeder hits. That that's that's the the benefit of that heavy fly ball approach. If you're in the right park, to to minimize the home runs, that that's why that that uh, method can work. That heavy fly 6. ball 8, because six point eight for Marco Estrada, six point nine nine hits and, per nine innings for Chris Young. Those are the only two pitchers that are below seven point zero. They're both fly ball guys. It it, it, it does make some sense. Um, what what doesn't make sense when I'm looking at it is uh, the, the the walk leaderboard for the second half. Just because Joey Votto's 28% is so hilariously out in front of everyone, <laughs> it's it's so ridiculous. It's, it goes back to what you said earlier. It, it is Bonzi, and it it really is. But um, I look, and I also see a lot of these. Uh, Big strikeout guys that we worry about. Schwarber, Sano. Peterson, Sano, they're all still on there. How much do, does the fact that they're still walking this much hearten you when it comes to their ginormous strikeout rates, with, with, which can send them plunging the way it did Peterson for sure, and it looks like the season's going to run out before Schwarber and Sano have colossal uh, cold streaks. And I think it's it's really gotten all three. I think Peterson just got hit the hardest because he played a full season. Schwarber kind of just started slowing down, uh, same with Sano, and then like I said, season's going to run out. So where are you on those three strikeout monsters, uh, even though they're excellent? I, I'm not as concerned like if we t- if we jump back to this point last year on this podcast and how we were just railing, railing on Javier Baez because he was striking out 43% of the time. And correct me if I – he wasn't walking this much. I don't even think he was walking half this much. No, I, I, don't, I, I, no, I don't believe he was at all. In fact, I'll, I'll check, but there's no way he was walking quite at that clip. Yeah, no, I know, I know we were like 43%. Yeah, all right. Okay, there we go. So, I mean, with, with these guys, you don't fall into double-digit walk rates. I mean, a 15% walk rate for Jock Peterson is awesome, and I don't know how much he was hitting eighth and getting pitched around down there early on. Early on the season, he was hitting down on the lineup, wasn't he? Well, yeah, and then he moved up pretty quickly. I think held most of the season there, and then you know, he's moved back down with the slump uh, for Peterson. But yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, so Still, you don't find, yeah double digit double digit walk rates like this that you don't fall into this. I mean, there's skill there, and the strike. I'm I'm willing to excuse some of the strikeout rate for first time in the league, especially for a dude like Sano who had to take a full season off uh, as he as he had to when he was recovering from the surgery. So I'm willing to excuse some of this. And you know, the strikeout rate is is going to last year it was 20.4 percent league wide. This year, right now, it's 20.3. Um, so this week's huge. Is it going to end that six-year trend of strikeout, league-wide strikeout rate changing? So we'll see what happens this particular week uh, with this. But I'm not, not concerned about any of this. I, I'm really not because with any of these guys, these aren't guys I'm, I'm going to take for bad. I mean, Sano is hitting 259 this uh, right now in the second half. Uh, 
Schwarber's hitting 257 and Peterson's hitting a buck 78. Uh, but again, the full first full season, I'm gonna I'm willing to excuse him. Uh, and so we, we saw the talent level in the first half, so I'm not terribly concerned about any three of them. If you want me to rank them for next year, um, do, I'm actually. probably gonna take them right in the order: Sano, Peterson, and Schwarber. Okay. Okay. Schwarber I, qualified I, a catcher. That'd be one thing. Yeah. Then I'd I flip. Know. Honestly, I, I think I'd flip him with Peterson. Let me see if, he qualified. if, he, if he's going to sure. uh, or if he even can. Don't think the, he is. The rest of the season. He's got 20 games there. He's 14. Oh, he's got 20 games. Oh, I'm looking at starts. I'm sorry. Yeah, 14 yeah, 20 started now. 20 played, okay, so that's huge. That I want Schwarber before Peterson. Um, is it Posey Schwarber, or do you go anybody else as the second catcher off the board? McCann. Yeah, I mean, I think other. I think I'll let other people make that Schwarber reach for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. See, go right ahead. Maybe see if people take a couple other catchers and then if you can take them as the fourth or fifth. But as the second catcher, I do think it's tough. I do think the batting average, it's going to be a challenge for those guys because I think they are going to continue to strike out. And that is something I worry about. But that is, you know, uh, you don't have to worry about it in every league necessarily either. Obviously, I, I play in a lot of OBP leagues. So guys like this. I'm still completely cool with. I'm even still cool with somebody like Carlos Santana. Disappointed me this year for sure. I thought the power was going to stick with him, but it is interesting that he shows. I mean, he's fifth on the uh, the walk leaderboard. That's no surprise at all. 371 OBP. Yeah, I, I think I'm not even think. I, I would rather have Salvador Perez than Schwarber. Yeah. Hmm. I'm. I don't know. I'm. Cl- I'm close there. I'm. I'm close on those two. I think Perez could keep evolving. I, I think you're right, though. I think that's actually the right way to go um, because if Perez keeps getting better, I mean, he's, he's shown flashes of every kind of facet to the game, and if he kind of mashes it all together, it could be something pretty incredible. Again, behind the dish, it, it'd almost be like, remember that's what we think. Remember old school Dan Heron, uh, who was known for having a second-half issue? Like yes. the whole, whole thing was you wanted to trade him. That's basically what Sal Perez is now, and it's not anything necessarily of, of his own doing. It's because he gets he gets worked so hard that you, you just – He catches 190 games a year. Yeah, yeah. He, he, catch, he catches like uh, practice games, simulated games just, just to get in more work. <laughs> you don't want him later in the season. Sal Perez gets run down. So even when he does break out, if he has that big breakout season, you're going to want to trade him around July 4th of that year because it will fade. So, uh, right. yeah, just keep that in mind with Sal Perez. But uh, I think that's an interesting – that's going to be an interesting debate, Schwarber versus Perez, and, and that whole debate of who really is the second catcher because McCann is is getting older. Uh, Gaddis is not even going to be catcher eligible. Russell Martin, I don't know that people feel you know super comfortable tabbing him as the second catcher. It might be somebody young like a, uh, a Perez or Schwarber. Right. Jason, uh, you might have already seen this because you you were looking at second half leaderboards. But can you guess who has the worst ERA in the second half? Uh, n- no, it probably is on my team. Uh, no, it's an obvious <laughs> one. It's one. You oh would my never, god! Yeah, he was on one of my teams. teams. I traded him away. Oof. Jeremy Guthrie rocking Mister? the old seven oh one in fifty three innings of work. That's never good. Or right, if you want to extend your qualifying out a little bit, Jeff Samarja at six sixty one. Oh, God. That's what I thought you were talking about. Samarja yeah, yeah. 660. He, he's up there. I've, I've already railed on uh, the season that is Jeff Samarja's god off. I think there. one of the things that kind of snuck up in the second half, I mean, Clayton Kershaw has been striking out people. Uh, he's first, but Carlos Carrasco now leads the 
American League in strikeouts in the second half at 33%. That's huge. He's been, he had that huge unreal. game the other day. He struck out 16. That put him over Chris Sale, um, who seems like he's slowing down a little bit here as, as the season's uh, going down. But, yeah, he is at 33%, and then Sale's at 31 And then it takes us uh, Keuchel, 28%, uh, is the next guy in the American League. been telling people, stop sleeping on the, on Keuchel's Ks. I do think that Keuchel and, and Gray opened up the door for David Price, though, and I think Price is going to win the AL Cy Young. I'm, I'd be totally fine with that. I do. I, you're okay with um, that too? Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. I mean, he's got everything else uh, is there. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch what happens uh, for his offseason. His agent, Bo McKinnis, has just got to be grinning ear to ear. Uh, it's gonna be just epic uh, what happens with him in, in the offseason uh, with this contract and everything else. But I think you know one of the other things what's really disappointing. We hinted about this a little bit last week in the second half. Uh, home runs per nine inning. Number one, Scherzer, one point nine. Two is Jordan Zimmerman at 1.7. I mean, right there, that yeah, those are two guys that were taken in the top 50 who have been just horrendous down the stretch because of home runs. Yep. And, uh, and, I mean, Samarja, Tanaka, Tanaka is there at 1.5. The I mean, bottom. he is. Uh, he's had James Shields give up two more today. Uh, I, I saw a number for James Shields, like I think 20. What did they say? 26 of his 32 home runs have been solo shots. Oh, wow. I would believe it. I would totally believe it. 26 of his 30. Uh, that's crazy. I mean, he just doesn't put anybody on base, but even his walk rate's high. This, in the second half, it's 4.3. Uh, but a ton of solo shots for him. Uh, Felix Hernandez is in a top 10 at 1.4. He has clearly not been good down the stretch. Well, Corey the- Kluber, if you want to stretch it out to the top 12, Corey Kluber's there. That's a lot of good pitchers. Kluber, Hernandez, Shields, Tanaka, Zimmerman, Scherzer. All just- guys that would have been high picks. Getting bombed out or struggling down. Yeah, getting bombed, can't get the ball in the yard. This guy wasn't a high pick, but he was playing like one for most of the year. Uh, the bottom fell out on Hector Santiago. If you if you bump the yes. qualification down, uh, he jumps up there. He's over two. I think he's 2.1 homers per nine in the second half. A problem that Hector Santiago has always had. You know, I, I always I had a tough time buying in d- during the whole season. I understand what, what he can do when, when he's on Santiago can, you know, induce a bunch of weak contact. He can miss some bats. He's got some wicked stuff, but just too many home runs. And he was still giving them up even when he was carrying a sub three ERA. So I, I decided, you know, I can't get on that train. And again, it, it totally bottomed out. He raised his ERA. You know who, you know what this season is, by the way, was it Jeff Locke last year or two years ago? Two years ago, yeah. Who kept staying really good, and we just couldn't figure it out. And then it finally caught up in in the uh, back half of the season. Yeah, he jumped from a 2.43 to a 3.52 ERA in his last seven starts. That's exactly what this Hector Santiago chance, season is. I needed to make a trade for a guy in the league, and I was looking, and and there was Santiago. And at the time, I'm like, wow, he's got the strikeouts, and I was just like, no, I can't pull the trigger. I I, I just no, I. No, this is not going to hold up, and you could see it uh, getting ready to fall apart, and it absolutely has. You know, I mean, you look at the 347 ERA he has right now for the season, the 475 FIP, the 82% left on base rate, the 254 batting average uh, on balls in play, everything 
hear screams like Jeff Locke the year after the good year, where you know, it just it kept falling apart for him. And uh, yeah, this is not good. Plus, we're, we're talking about a guy who's going to set a – he's going to go from 127 to uh, – probably has one more start at him, so 175 innings, about a 50 inning, uh, innings pitch jumped. He's not a kid. He's going to be 28 in the offseason. Uh, but clearly, the, the, the increased workload is getting to him right now, uh, and he hasn't pitched well. And you just look at this, this these numbers here, and – and no, this is not a guy that I, I want to have to end up with. This is end game material with me. If people want to reach for him because he's got, you know, he's, he's got 150 strikeouts, 153 and 171 innings. You want to reach for him for the strikeouts, be my guest. But this is not going to be a pretty picture next year. No, I, I, t- I totally agree. It's just a situation that I'm not really going to consider at this point. Uh, Jason, let's go ahead. We're going we're to cut it short here. Do you have a final, uh, any, any other final tidbits that you wanted to get through uh, before we wrap it up for the week? Uh, no, not really. I'm just looking forward to the good final week of the baseball season, and then as we we can start talking about real baseball stuff before we uh, head into the off season plans. Yes, we'll, we need to, to to frame out what the off season is going to be like uh, before games. we get positional previews. Are we going to do reviews before we do previews? We'll do some review preview combo sort of stuff where we'll kind of talk. We'll do like position deep dives. Maybe we'll do something like that where we really kind of talk over what happened at the position as the year went along and then how it transitions into next year because we have seen some of the positions change this influx of rookies has caused uh changes at various positions so i think that's something that we right. could do maybe starting next week but maybe next week we'll talk playoffs I, I again i know it's not fantasy baseball but we'll talk things that we're looking forward to in terms of most exciting matchups all the games uh i, I think start at the same time next week or, or something like that to where they uh it's not going to be staggered Am I, do I have that right? Let me just look it up. I know there's I something it, special yeah. this year about the the game start time, so that yeah, they're they're yes, they're all in the two oh five to two ten central time window. They literally all start at the same time, so that anything that's up in the air is being decided kind of together. I think it was an amazing idea by Major League Baseball to do this. It's going to be mm-hmm. a, f- a really fun thing for fantasy, too. There probably won't be a lot of playoff things up in the air on that Sunday, but you know leagues are going to be you know totally up in the air where one big game can shift it up and down. So that's going to be a fun way to kind of finish off the fantasy season as well. By the way, Jake Arrieta, five innings into a no-hitter on Sunday Night Baseball again. This time a perfect game Shocker. bid so far, too. That dude's amazing. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap with this. Do you think – let's just say he finishes this, and it's uh, uh, not a perfect game. It's just it's another no-hitter. Is he, is he the Cy Young over Grinky for you? You know, the narrative's going to get it for him. It's been, I would say I'm a little guilty of, uh, you know, West Coast bias of not having paid enough attention to what Granky's done. Kind of is like, oh, you know, he's good enough. He's going to do it, going to do it. But it's been so tough to ignore what Arietta's been doing here. That's no, that's no really doubt. it. it you, there's going to be recency bias is going to overcome West Coast. I think in the end it's going to it's going to be him because people expect Granky to be, be good. Arietta, you and were saying? I think it's going to be Arietta. I think you might be right. Here's the thing, too, though, that that obviously kind of ch- changes changes it. Obviously, if he does finish this off, even if it's not necessarily a perfect game, but but a shutout, then that's uh, you know he's going to bump his ERA down to one seven something. At that point, he's on 
Grinky's tail. When people were putting Arietta in the discussion when he had a 220 ERA and same with mm-hmm. Kershaw, that's when I had a problem with it. But the fact that they're now below two and creeping – actually, I don't know if Kershaw's there, but I, obviously Arietta definitely is. Now I do think it's a much tighter race. But when, you, when you're talking about 165 ERA and nobody was within like half a run, it was a walk away. Right. But, but Arietta has, has steam – uh, steamrolled way ahead uh, in this race, or, or much closer, I should say, not way ahead. It's now neck and neck, and we'll see if he can finish it off. Jason, well, I, think he's hit, I think he's hit as many home runs as he's allowed uh, and since both June, and, that is, and that's two. Uh, it, it's it's an incredible number. So right now, Arietta's ERA is down to 183, so he's shaved uh, you know, five, five hundredths of a run, so from 188 to 183. That's where he is right now, and Grinky's at 165. But if you know, quickly, if you start doing a skill alignment, Arietta strikeout rate is as Caper Nine is one full strikeout higher. He's allowed fewer home runs. I mean, you could look at a lot of this, and and then if people, if maybe they start embracing pitcher war, and you look at Arietta, he's a full one point two uh, ahead of of Grinky, and uh, he could have twenty one wins. He could be the only twenty game winner. When you look at how voters do this, and then Kershaw's got to pull some votes because Kershaw's got the best WAR of all these pitchers. That's so true. Kershaw's got to split some votes. And when you when you know how these guys vote. They love the 20-game win thing. I mean, they love the benchmarks. And the benchmarks and the recency bias and the narrative, I, I think Arietta's going to win it. I think you're right. I think we'll, we'll end on that. We'll talk maybe more about the awards in a couple of weeks uh, as the season obviously will be closed. And we'll, we'll be looking for things to talk about. But, Jason, I hope you have a great week. We'll be back next Sunday. Sounds good, man. Take care.